Any IU basketball fans out there? All right, good win yesterday, right? Finally, all right, that was good to have. I don't know, I'm sure most of you have probably been, if you're a fan, you've probably been at some point or another to a game uh, there at Assembly Hall. And if you're like me, you can go there and have vastly different experiences depending on your location. Let me explain what I mean. Um, back three years ago when we moved to town, I was the uh, eighth grade basketball coach um, at Edgewood. And my friend Dave Hudson, who's the regional uh, director of Fellowship of Christian Athletes, he uh, called me up and he said, Chuck, I've got a bunch of extra tickets. Would your team like to go? So that day at practice, I asked him, hey, would you like to go to the game tonight? We've got free tickets. Of course, they all said they would want to. And so uh, we did. Now, the tickets they had were up in the balcony. Okay? Anybody ever set up in the balcony? Can I get a witness? All right. So we pile all up in my, in my minivan, load up with uh, eighth grade boys, and we park because I don't ever pay for parking. And so I park far, far away where I always do, and we walk through the cold, and we get to the main level, and then we walk up the ramp, right? And then we go through a door. And then we go up the stairs, and up the stairs, and up the stairs, and up, and up. If you've been to the balcony, you know what I'm talking about, right? So we got there, and of course the kids had a great time, and you know, they won, and, and it was fun. But from up there, I mean, you, there's, you can tell there's a game going on down there, but that's about it. You kind of have to kind of wait for the sounds, you know, was something good or something bad happened. Well, not one week after that, another friend called and said, hey Chuck, my dad... Uh, has season tickets, and he was giving them to me, but I can't use them tonight. Would you like to, you and your son, like to go? I'm like, well, sure, we'd love to go. And he said, uh, it comes with a parking pass, so you can go right up there and park. Parking pass, you know. So, and this was not just like in the parking lot. This was like right up next to the building. This was like don't need your coat to go from the car to the gym close parking pass. You know what I'm talking about? All right, so we walked the 20 feet inside. And we go on the main level, and then we go down. <laughs> right? The seats were actually on the sixth row in the corner, which were really good seats. But he said, now, if you get there early, you can actually go right down on the floor and stand right beside where the team is warming up. And if you've never done that, that's kind of cool. So Chase and I, we did that. We went there, we got early, and we watched the team warm up right there. I mean, right in front of us. I mean, like right there in front of us. And then, like, we were standing near the... Um, other team's bench, and there's like those three or four rows of bleachers behind there, and there was nobody sitting there. And I thought, hey, let's just go, you know, stand here, and, and then when the people whose seats there really are come, then we'll move and go to ours, but we'll just kind of hang out here till then. Well, they never came. And so we sat on the second row right behind the other team's bench. And I mean, that's a totally different experience. All right. I mean, up in the balcony, it's like maybe there's a game going on, but down there, I mean, you can hear everything the coach is saying. You can smell the sweat. I mean, I'm talking, this is, you know, a different experience of a ball game. And it was awesome until at halftime when the mean ticket lady came and made us go and sit in our, our real seats. But even then, it was just the sixth row on the, in the corner of a totally different experience. One far, far away and one right up close into the action. Now, the reality is, Maybe that's how you feel this morning, one of those two extremes, spiritually speaking. You might feel like, spiritually speaking, you've kind of got the parking pass. You, you're, you and your relationship with God are real tight, and you feel real comfortable with the church, and you've got your parking pass close to things that are going on. You're involved with everything, and if things are good. On the other hand, you may feel... Well, you're in the building because it's Christmas and, you know, maybe you came just to get your you know, wife off your back or it's Christmas and try to keep peace in the family or, or whatever. But you feel pretty far away from God. The reality is 
whichever is the case, we're glad that you're here uh, this morning. In fact, that might be why you quit coming to church, because you felt far from God. And you felt like if you, if you came, you, know, you didn't know what people would think about you or what they would say, or maybe you had a bad experience. You think, all oh, those people, they have their stuff together, and I know I don't have my stuff together. Well, if that's you, if you're just kind of checking things out, either here or online, kind of checking things out, just know that those of us who have the parking pass and we you know, are in church all the time, we don't have it all figured out either. In fact, um, I've been here for the last few you know, weeks now, and I've gotten to know uh, a lot of the folks. And so just know you're sitting around some of the worst sinners in Monroe County. Right? <laughs> Ladies, watch your purses. Okay? But the reality is we don't have it figured out, right? Whether we've been here in a church all of our life or we're just checking things out, we're all in that same boat. This morning... No matter where you're at, if you feel far from God up in the balcony or right down in the second row, you couldn't pick a better time to be here. Because we're in the third week, the final week of a series that we've just called Christmas Presents. Now, a couple weeks ago when we started this series, we talked about the fact that when you're little, Christmas is all about the presents, right? The gifts. I remember when I was little, the Sears Christmas Wish List catalog. Anybody remember those? Now, some of you have no idea what we're talking about. If you're like below 40, you can ask one of us old people and we'll tell you about it. But I'll just, it was like a pictorial directory of everything Christmas, right? And it was magical. It was like it was sprinkled with magic Christmas dust, maybe even laced with a little heroin. I don't know. It was like addictive, right? It was addictive for a little kid, right? Because all those color pictures of anything and everything you could possibly want. As a kid, and I remember circling everything, you know, on different pages and, you know, folding down the tops and everything just so mom and dad could know for sure, you know, what things I might like. Anybody remember that, circling those pictures? Yeah, well, if you have little ones at your house still, or if you are still a little one, you understand that Christmas is all about the presents. But then we talked about, hopefully, as we grow up, that begins to change just a little bit. And while the gifts are still nice, Christmas becomes more about just the, the presence, being with people, with those people that you love, and friends and family. And that's as it should be, because kind of the theme verse that we've been using the last couple of uh, weeks comes from Matthew's telling of the Christmas story, and he actually quotes the prophet Isaiah when he says, all this took place, all the whole Christmas story, Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and angels and all that, all this took place to fulfill what the prophet had said, the virgin would be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. That's what Christmas is about, God coming to be with us, his presence with us. Us. Now, a couple weeks ago, we started with the story of, of Mary, and we saw that Mary was just a teenage girl, and this whole story that we just take for granted as the Christmas story totally turned her life upside down, and it was extremely chaotic. And we found that Christmas means God is with us even in the chaos. Maybe this morning, you're feeling a little bit chaotic. Christmas is a week away. Are you ready? Maybe your world is kind of chaotic. God is with us even amidst the chaos. Last week, through the story of Joseph, we found that Joseph was a guy who had to make an incredibly difficult decision between what God asked him to do and what everybody else would have thought he should have done. And that culture, continuing on with an unwed, uh, or an, un, yeah, an unwed pregnant woman would have been scandalous. He had a decision to make. Was he going to stand alone doing what God said? Or was he going to go with what everybody would have thought would have been the right thing? And we found that Joseph was someone who valued what God thought more than what other people thought. And so we learned that Christmas means that God is with us even when it feels like nobody else is. 
Well, this morning, through the story of another familiar group, the shepherds, we're going to kind of see another aspect about what Christmas God with us means, and hopefully maybe uh, discover or rediscover, if you've been around church, what the good news of Christmas is all about. And that is that Christmas, God with us, means that God is with us even when we feel far away from Him. If you've got your Bible, you can turn to Luke chapter 2. That's where we're going to pick up the Christmas story of the shepherds. Luke chapter 2. Um, this may be familiar uh, to you. If you've, uh, even if you're not a, a regular church person, you've probably seen the peanut special, all right? And you've heard Linus uh, read these uh, words. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them, and they were terrified. They were terrified. Why were they terrified? Because angels were scary, all right? If you were here a couple weeks ago, a lot of times we think about angels like those little, you know, the kids that were up here singing, those little angels, or we think of something you know, that looks like this. But that's not what angels were, according to the Bible. They looked more like this. They were more mighty warrior messengers of God. They were terrifying. In fact, every time when they arrived on the scene, they would tell people exactly what they told the um, shepherds here. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. For I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Now I want to just kind of pause right there because this is familiar to us, right? But in that time, this would have been an incredibly um, exceptional, unbelievable kind of event. Not just an angel showing up, but who they showed up to, okay? In those days, in that culture, if you were, if you had any means at all, if you had any money, any financial resources, if you had a child, especially a firstborn son, you would hire a herald, a messenger, to run through the streets proclaiming, a child is born, my firstborn son has been born, right? And you would tell that to the important people or the people that you were closest to, the people that uh, you knew the best. But God chose to send his herald that, was the, that wasn't the name of the angel, right? Some of you thought, you know, we sing, Hark the Herald, Angels Sing. That wasn't the angel's name, wasn't Herald. That's what he was. He was a herald of the birth of God's firstborn child. And he didn't send it to, like, uh, what we would have thought. See, this is another thing that makes the Bible seem true to me. Because if we were just making up the story, you would have never had the announcement being made to the shepherds. Because in that day and age, shepherds were the lowest of the low in society. They wouldn't have been who you would have put in there. You would have said the angel appeared to you know, the religious people, the Pharisees, or the priests, the religious leaders, or maybe the political leaders, the kings, or the princes. But God showed up with this incredible herald announcement of his child's, his son's birth to shepherds. A very unlikely group, people who felt far from God. People who thought, no matter how hard they tried, they didn't measure up in constant fear about what God thought. And to those people who felt far from God, that's God intentionally chose them to announce this great message, this great news to them. And that's the essence of the Christmas story, that God is with us even when we feel far from Him. Now, there's uh, some reasons why the shepherds felt 
far from God, while they felt distant. Um, the first one is they felt inadequate, right? It was a dis- disrespected profession, okay? Um, it was the lowest ranking, one of the most embarrassing jobs to have. No one aspired to become a shepherd. It's not like little boys said, when I grew up, I hope to be a shepherd. You know, you got three little boys standing there. What would you like to be when you grew up? Astronaut, baseball player, shepherd. No, it never happened that way. You know, nobody ever said, I want to be a shepherd. It was not a stepping stone toward anything else. Okay? They were uneducated. Um, they seemed, uh, they felt socially inadequate. They never measured up. In that religious-based culture, they were spiritually inadequate because they knew they couldn't keep the Sabbath. The sheep needed protection every day of the week. So they couldn't keep the Sabbath. And they couldn't be a good Jewish citizen. They felt very inadequate in that time. They also felt unworthy. I mean, they were physically dirty. You ever smelled sheep? Right? So they smelled bad. They were physically dirty. But again, because of their nomadic lifestyle, they were traveling all the time. They couldn't keep the ceremonial laws of the Jewish people. And so they were not only physically unclean, they were looked at as spiritually unclean as well. It was actually taught in those times that because of that, the shepherds uh, were far from God. They were outcasts, that God didn't accept them because they were so um, spiritually um, and ceremonially unclean. So they felt unworthy. They also felt unloved. In that day and age, a religious person, a good religious person, wouldn't even touch a shepherd because then that would make them ceremonially unclean. And that's a pretty bad feeling to know when people don't even want to be around you. They don't want to touch you. To make matters worse, they were known as thieves. They couldn't uh, testify in trials, right? Because nobody would believe what they say. They'd say, he's just a shepherd. He's going to lie, right? They were felt unloved. No father wanted their daughter to marry a shepherd, so they felt unloved. They felt unworthy. They felt inadequate. The reality is some of us here this morning may feel in similar ways, feel inadequate. Maybe you're a dad and it's Christmas time and you just feel financially inadequate because maybe your son or daughter has circled all kinds of things and you know what they want, but you just know you also can't afford it. Maybe you feel inadequate because you know you need to spend more time, but there's just so many things and so many pressures and so many different um, obligations that you have. Ladies, maybe you, you know, feel inadequate at this time of year, especially, and you look around at some other women, you know, their hair is always just right, and their house looks perfect, and it smells like candles, and their floor is always clean. And then you look around your house, and, and well, it smells like something, but you're pretty sure it's not candles, right? <laughs> and you know, um, you've, you think you've got a floor, um, but you can't really see too much of it, and you just kind of feel inadequate. Maybe you're a single mom, and and you're doing your best to be both mom and dad and get the kids where they need to go and run here and run there. But it just feels like no matter how hard you try or how fast you go, you just can't keep up with everything. You feel inadequate. Maybe you just look at yourself as not as smart or as popular or as attractive or rich or whatever, successful as you want to be, and you feel inadequate. Maybe you feel spiritually inadequate. You know you know people that just they got a, a scripture verse for everything, and you don't really know very many Bible verses. Or maybe, you know, you've... It seems like all those church people, they just pray these elaborate prayers, and really the only prayer you've got this Christmas season is you get through without killing somebody. <laughs> you know, maybe you're, you're there, and you just feel kind of spiritually inadequate. Um, maybe you feel unworthy, because face it, we know what we've done, right? We know all the good things we should have done, but we don't do, and we know all the bad things we shouldn't do, but we do anyway, and we feel like if other people would know that, then they wouldn't 
think so highly of us, so we kind of keep that inside. And we come to church on a, you know, on a uh, Christmas time, and everybody's all, you know, nice, and it looks like they've got their stuff together, and singing songs, and, and worshiping God, and, you know, and you uh, about killed your kid on the way to church this morning. In fact, you would have if you could have reached back there, but you couldn't get to them, and you just feel spiritually unworthy, or maybe you're in the middle of something, some business deal, some relationship, some bad habit, and you just feel unworthy because you know the real state of things, and you know your act is not together. Maybe you feel unloved. Maybe you're not married. All your friends are, but you're not, and you wonder, you know, what, what's wrong with me? Why couldn't I find someone? Maybe you grew up without a dad, and though for years people have said it didn't have anything to do with you, there was just always something in the back of your mind that said, what? Why couldn't he love me? <clears throat> Maybe you feel unloved. Maybe your spouse left you, or just you just look in the mirror at the end of the day, and, and you don't like what you see, and you think, if people rejected me, and I don't really like myself, how could God accept me? That's kind of how the shepherds felt. They felt inadequate. They felt unworthy. They felt unloved. And it was to those outcasts, those people that thought just like that, that's who the angel directed his message directly from God the Father. And if you feel any of those things this morning, it's a message directed directly at us as well. And this is what he said. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. What was the good news? A Savior. A Savior was born. A Savior was born. Well, what... A Savior, that's great, but what really is the good news at Christmas? What really is the good news? If you've been in church all your life, hopefully this will be a kind of a refresher course. If you're just kind of checking things out or it's been a while since you've been back, maybe you can hear this kind of again for the first time. But this morning, just for a few minutes, I just want to explain a little bit what the good news that the angel came to tell the shepherds was all about. Okay, you ready for some good news this morning? All right, the good news is this. A right standing with God has nothing to do with how well you've kept the law. Did you know that? A right standing with God, a relationship with God, has nothing to do with how well you kept the law. Now, that's a totally different concept that had ever been presented before. When Jesus came and presented this concept, it was a totally new way of, of dealing with God. Because in that day, in that culture, all the laws and regulations that the Jews had to follow, they thought for sure that their standing with God determined, uh, depended upon how well they kept all of those many rules. And I bet some of us here this morning feel the same way. When we feel like we've had a good week and we followed the rules and we haven't messed up, then we feel close to God and we feel accepted by God. Or if we've had a particularly bad week and we feel like we haven't followed so many of the rules, then we feel rejected from God and far away. The good news that the angel came to tell the shepherds was, a right standing with God has nothing, nothing to do with how we keep the law, how well we follow the rules. Now, friends, that's good news. Right? That is good news. It would have been incredible news to the shepherds. They knew that they didn't follow the rules. They knew they couldn't follow the rules, no matter how hard they tried. This would have been great news for them, Indeed. Now, we think of, like, we, when we think of the rules in the Bible, we might think of the Ten Commandments or whatever, but for them, there was over 600 rules and regulations that they had to try to follow, and they knew there was just no possible way they, had, they could do that. They had no hope. Maybe you felt like that before. There's no way, no matter how hard you try, you can't follow all 
the rules. The good news is, a right standing with God has nothing to do with how well we keep the law. And so then you might say, well, what's the law there for anyway? Well, let me uh, back up. Uh, Romans chapter 3 kind of proves this point that I'm, I'm saying here, that a right standing with God has nothing to do with how well we keep the law. Romans chapter 3, verse 20. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. But now, through Jesus, because of Christmas, God has shown us a way to be made right with Him without keeping the requirements of the law. Again, a right standing with God has nothing to do with how well we keep the law. So what is the law good for? Okay, I left out just a little piece of that verse. Listen to what all of verse 20 says. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. So the purpose of the law is to show us our need for a Savior. Okay? That's what the purpose of the law is. Now, many people, in fact, all people fall into one of two categories when it comes to uh, this kind of a, a conversation. One is people who feel like the shepherds. They feel almost too far gone, right? That God could never love them. They realize where that they're far from God and that they're just out of luck. There's a whole other group of people, often church people like us, who think, well, yeah, we're not perfect. I mean, because really, who is? But we don't really do anything really too bad, right? We're not really you know, sinners. We're just like mistakers, right? We just need a second chance, right? Because we didn't do it on purpose, and we know, and we're really good people. And so, really, if we just had a second chance, that's really all we need, you know, is a second chance. That's what we need. But no matter where, uh, which side of that you're on, let me, let's do a little exercise this morning, all right? How many people have ever told a lie? Raise your hand. Get it up there. All right, now look around, and if somebody doesn't have their hand up, look at them and go, liar, liar, pants on fire. Because <laughs> that's at least the second lie that they've ever told by not admitting that they've told one before. All right? Okay. How many of you have ever stole anything? All right? Okay, hands down. How many have ever looked lustfully at someone? Okay, maybe, you know, you put your finger up with that one. Okay. okay. <laughs> But Jesus said, you know, if you look lustfully at someone, it's the same as committing adultery. So, now, if you are, uh, if you've told lies, what are you? A liar. If you've stole things, what are you? A thief. If you've looked lustfully at someone, Jesus said, we're adulterers. So, we are a bunch of lying, stealing adulterers. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> Aren't you glad you came this morning? But that is the good news of Christmas. You see, until we realize how bad the bad news is, we'll never understand how good the good news is. Right? Until we realize that we're a sinner, we'll never realize our need for a Savior. Because, see, the reality is we are not mistakers in need of a second chance. We're sinners in need of a Savior. In fact, that verse goes on to say that the wages of our sin, what we earn for that, what we've done, is death. That's the bad news. Okay? In God's accounting, according to the law, our sin brings death. That's the bad news. The good news is, our right standing with God has nothing to do with how well or how poorly we've kept the law. The law is simply there to show us our need for a Savior. And friends, that is good, good news. That's what's so good about the good news. God didn't send us a new set of rules to give us a second chance to get it right. He sent us a Savior because that's what we needed. If a right standing with God doesn't have anything to do with following the law, then where does it come from? 
Paul continues. He says, a right standing with God comes from faith in Jesus. A right standing with God simply comes by faith in Jesus. Again, Romans chapter 3. But now, through Jesus, God has shown us a way to be made right with Him without keeping the requirements of the law. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for who? This is true for everyone. Whether you feel far from God, whether you feel close to God, whether you feel like there's no possible way God could accept you, whether you think, oh, I haven't really done anything wrong, I can probably get in on my own. Right? We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ, and this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who you are. Everyone. That means you. That means you, and you, and you, and me. For everyone. A right standing with God comes by faith in Jesus Christ. It doesn't have anything to do with how well we've kept the law, how poorly we've kept the law. It doesn't have anything to do with how adequate we feel or how inadequate we feel. It doesn't have anything to do with how worthy we feel, how unworthy we feel. A right standing with God comes only by faith in what Jesus has done. You see, Jesus came and he lived a perfect life. He lived the life we should have lived. And then he died death that we should have had to die in our place. And the Bible says the good news is all we have to do is believe that. Believe that that's what Jesus did for us. And then we have a right standing with God and are accepted by him. That's, that's incredible news. God chose to make that grand announcement that he is totally redoing how he is interacting with people. That now a right standing with God has nothing to do with the law, but it has everything to do with Jesus. That's the good news of Christmas. And he came, he chose to give that great news announcement to the people in that day that felt farthest from him. That's the essence of the Christmas story. He wanted them to be the first to know that he was doing something totally different and totally amazing in his relationship with people. The message, fear not. There's good news. If you feel inadequate, you feel unworthy, you feel unloved, a Savior, a Savior has been born. Now, at the beginning this morning, I told you two stories of me watching the game, one from far, far away and one from very close to the action. What was different about those two? What had I done different the second time to deserve those better tickets? Nothing. I was the same, right? It was just a gift. I hadn't done anything to deserve it. Someone just gave me a gift of being right there in the action. That is the incredible gift of Christmas. You see, at um, Christmas, the good news is that a right standing with God, being right there with Him, having a relationship with Him, doesn't have anything to do with how well we've kept the law. It doesn't have anything to do with how worthy we feel or how well we've kept the rules. Nothing we can do to deserve it. A right standing with God, the gift of Christmas, is simply that. It's a gift because God loved us so much. And so this morning, you feel inadequate? You feel unworthy? Good. That's why Jesus came, because we all are inadequate and unworthy. You feel unloved? Christmas, the story of Christmas, should prove once and for all that how much God loves us, that he sent Jesus to come to be God with us. God in heaven came to be God with us. Those who are far from God 
so that we could have a relationship with him here on this earth, but then also have a chance to have a relationship with him through eternity. That is the good news of Christmas and God with us. Would you pray with me? God, thank you so much for that incredible good news that Jesus came to bring to us, that the angel proclaimed to people that felt far from you, that a relationship with you, a right standing with you, has nothing to do with how well or how poorly we followed the rules, because the reality is, God, we've all broken your rules. We're all unworthy. We're all inadequate in so many ways. Jesus, thank you for coming to be everything that we couldn't be. And God, thank you for making it possible that if by just accepting what Jesus has done, we can have a relationship with you. God, I pray that if there's anybody who walked in this door feeling far from you, that they would not leave feeling far from you, that they would feel the reality of your presence here at Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, our musicians are here, and they're going to lead us in a song. If you would like somebody to pray with you about anything, could it be something I talked about, something totally different, that'd be, uh, it doesn't matter. We'd love to pray with you. The elders will be down here. If you'd like to talk to someone about what that means, you felt far from God, but you'd love to feel closer, I'd love to talk with you about that as well. Would you stand with us as we sing?
I tell you every Sunday, thank you for being here, but I truly don't take that lightly because I mean that from the bottom of my heart. You don't realize what a blessing you are to me when I see you're here because you're here because you love Jesus Christ. In this very special season, Brother Chuck's brought us three messages back to back to back, a series, they call it. And I thank God for that. Because those messages in all together and wrapped up simply say, from God to you and from God to me, I love you this much. That I'm not going to sit on a, a spot up here and look down upon you. No, I'm going to come and walk among you. And he did just that. And he went to that cross and he said, I love you. So you see, you're being here is because you understand that. Or you've heard about it and you want to know more. And it encourages me. So thank you. I'm just going to close this in prayer. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we do love you. And Lord, I thank you for these messages, these messages straight from your word, simply telling us you are with us, that you've come to walk among us. Father, I thank you for this very special time of year wherein we celebrate the birth of your only begotten Son, the Christ child. Lord, there's so much busyness to draw our focus away from that truth. But Lord, help us to focus upon that. As we've heard your word declared, help us to grab hold of that and to meditate upon it and allow it to direct our hearts and our focus in every word that we go and everything that we do, but especially in this particular time of year where we celebrate the birth. Lord, thank you for loving us. And thank you for coming to walk among us. Thank you for going to the cross. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to just love you and to worship you, knowing full well that that will just radiate from us into this world. And Lord, we need that so bad. So guide us and direct us. And help us to always give you the thanks for loving us so. This we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen.